tonight. Who's ready? So, unoffendable. It's um, unoffendable. That's the title, is unoffendable. Now, you might type that on your phone or say it's an incorrect word, but it's in the dictionary on the internet. So, it is a word, unoffendable. And so, um, every time I say the word unoffendable, offence, offend, any type of word in that kind of offend-ish, like, you know how you put different letters up the front or at the end, every time I say that, we can repeat it, all right? So, unoffendable, unoffendable, unoffendable. so good, you got it. Offence, offended. Unoffendable? Good, we got it right. So when I say it, say it loud and say it proud. We, we can all do that. And so um, as I start, I was thinking in my preparation for this message, I was thinking, man, like who was that one youth conference? Who was that? Who, who, who loved Pastor Layla? That she was good. Who liked my message? Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, I, I was thinking, because I, I, if you remember, I preached on a message, Faithful versus Perfectionist. And I, and I was talking about how we should be faithful in life. And so then I was thinking, I'd love to do today, do a message re- like flying on from that. And I was thinking, mm, I don't know if this message links, but luckily it does. And another cool thing as well, it even jumps off the back from what James spoke about last week about forgiveness. Who remembers James speaking about forgiveness? He did. And so um, I'm going to be jumping on the back of that. So if you've got a Bible, go to Colossians 3.13. That was Colossians 3.13. Anyone got a Bible here? You will next week. Yeah, good. So Colossians 3.13. And this is what it says. Make allowances, sorry, not allowances, Ooh, we should though, there we go. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends, good, you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I'm going to read that again. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends, you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, um, I'm going to quickly go to Release the Animals theme. And so who remembers Release the Animals from a few years ago? There's one Bible verse in there that we haven't talked about this year, and that was in Proverbs 14.4. Proverbs 14.4 says this, Without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a large oxen for a large harvest. And so when we read that, we see that there's going to be a mess. And, um, and so for us, as we say Release the Animals, so we represent animals, doesn't mean we're hairy, doesn't mean we look stinky or something like that means that it's a spiritual principle just that as our release to be fruitful and multiply god's going to release us as young people to be fruitful and multiply but just like in that in the ark for uh, noah and the animals they came to the ark and so kind of this proverb is kind of similar situation in that an ark or a barn or a stable is a similar situation where the animals come to but we have a large harvest of people that we need to see saved. We have a large harvest around Port Lincoln Air Peninsula of people that we want to see touched by Jesus. And so for that, just like you need a large oxen in the old day, just as they say, you need a tractor in the old days, you had oxen for a big harvest. We need a big youth ministry, a big church to help reach people with Jesus. And so, but as we see here, to have um, no, no oxen in the stable, it's clean. But when you have oxen, it's messy. And so for us, um, to have a... To have a, um, a youth ministry with no people, there's no problems. But with people, there's problems. There's going to be offences. Uh, yeah, you nearly got it. So for us as a youth ministry, there's going to be offences. Good job. And so, uh, and so what we've got to hear, so with an o- a oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a large oxen for a large harvest. And so for one youth to be large, to reach as many people as we can, we, there's going to be mess, there's going to be offences. Good job, Carlos. But we've got to be a place where we go, you know what, despite that, and we're going to talk about how to get around that. And so, unoffendable. unoffendable. This word, so this, and this message has been encouraging and challenging me for the last few months. And so, 
for me, like over my life in uh, my devotionals and things that God has been speaking to me about is a real thing of unoffendableness. And so, um, yeah, good job. And it's going to be, um, I believe this word is going to be a foundational principle for one youth and so for our culture. And it's a spiritual principle. A spiritual principle as Christians and as Jesus followers, I believe, should be living out daily. And so basically, I want people to notice Pete. I want people to notice Leanna. I want people to notice Ellie, notice Derek, notice all of us in this room and go, you know what, there's something different about them. I want people to go, you know what, there's something different about one youth as a collective. There's something different about one heart church as a church. And I believe that um, that um, this word for like that difference is going to be unoffendable. And so people can see something better in your life which they don't have and it is being unoffendable. And so which they don't have because, um, and so I believe, I'm going to say these things are going to be in the core of our identity and when people see Pete, there's something different about him and it's going to be because he's unoffendable. Um, when people see Mariah, there'll be something different in her life because she'll be unoffendable. Not all of you are saying that, but we'll get there by the end. And so 1 Samuel 18, 6 to 11. 1 Samuel 18, 6 to 11, that's going to be one of our major Bible parts tonight, and we'll read that. So 1 Samuel 18, 6 to 11. Who's ready for that? Yeah, you better be. I don't think that word's in here at all, so that's going to be good. Um, uh, wrong page. So 1 Samuel 18, 6 to 11 says this. We're ready? You got your seatbelts unclicked? That's good. Okay, so when the... V- victorious Israelite army returned home after David had killed the Philistine. Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced um, with, uh, danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands. Woo! Um, and David his tens of thousands. Whoop, whoop. And so this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with tens of thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And so just another quick side note. In the Message Bible, it says this. Um, he, so he heard that song, talking about song, he took it as a personal insult. And so he heard this song that people were singing about David and him and took it as a personal insult. Now, I wanted to do something funny and be like, we can just read these words here. The song, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. I was thinking, man, I wonder what that sounded like. So I tried getting the app out on my iPhone where you talk and it makes it into a rap. Epic fail. Sorry you didn't get to witness it. Another day. But um, I thought, and then I thought, you know what? I might embarrass some girls and get them to sing it because it said the women sang it. But I left that out for you. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to pray right now for that, and we'll see what God speaks to us through the rest of this message. God, right now, we thank you that you're here. Jesus, we thank you that you've been here from the moment we walked in through the doors tonight. You were here through the worship, and Jesus, we thank you that you're going to speak to us right now. We pray for that word, unoffendable. God, may that be a true, uh, a true identity in our hearts. May people see us and see the difference in us, and that's because we are unoffendable. And so, God, just through that bit of Bible we read just there, speak to us. Um, be let it um, be revelation and inspiration into our lives, and we thank you we're going to leave this place different, we're going to leave this place better, and we just thank you that you're speaking to us right now. And we all said, amen. And we all said, unoffendable. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm going to look about a few words. So, offense. So, in the dictionary, that means an insult. Uh, offend. Offend, in the dictionary, means to annoy or displease. Offended is annoyed. Uh, or displeased as a, re- a result from a perceived insult. Offensive, displeasing or disgusting, insulting, attacking. And so, um, and then unoffendable, 
is, inca- is incapable of being offended and likely to take offence. Jeez, you guys at the front again, very quiet at those words. But so just a few of those dictionary meanings there was helpful for us to sort of really get it all going into our minds and that. But um, And so I want to quickly look at a video to the screens and from that we'll go to our next point. Enjoy. I wonder what's this red button do? I wonder what's this red button do? Dumb ways to die. Sing it with me. So many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Just quickly go. Oh, yeah. Pause. I wonder what this red button will do. And so um, uh, we obviously saw, I wonder what this red button will do. Blew up, explosion. We saw the cloud. There it is. Um, And so basically what we identify from that video was is buttons are deadly. Right? Buttons are dangerous. You got that? We saw that. And so um, that song we saw, like, those women were singing about David and King Saul, um, that pushed King Saul's buttons. Would say that? That song pushed his buttons. He felt it was an insult and he felt that it was like, man, what the heck? And so it pushed his buttons. And so the dictionary definition for push or press someone's buttons is this, arouse or provoke a reaction from someone. And so that's what happened with um, King Saul. He had his buttons pushed and it was um, an arouse and, a, and a insulted him in his heart. And so, who has things in their life that pushes your buttons? Who has buttons here that get pushed all the time? And so, for me, one thing that pushes my buttons are people who up themselves. That pushes my buttons. Someone that is just like, they just think they're it in a bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, that just, and that makes me cringe. Um, another thing is know-it-alls. Nothing worse than I'm pushing my button in a know-it-all. I'm like, you don't actually know this. I actually do that for a job. You don't, that's not right. Like, things like that, or you're playing footy and someone who's a know-it-all doesn't even play for you. It's like, no, like that, that just frustrates me. Um, uh, there's other just cringe factor things that push my buttons. So whether it might be a, a, a weird sound, like scraping concrete, like things that just pushes my buttons. Um, uh, p- another thing, this is like probably the major push my button, and it's pretty disgusting as well. So every time I, it, it's actually getting a lot better at my house, but before I'd go to the toilet and there'd be an empty roll. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, who's so lazy? Then I said it'd become more and more frequent. Then I'm thinking, this is disgusting. Someone has not cleaned their butt properly. But, um, but that really pushes my buttons because I'm thinking, like, it's either they're very lucky and they're getting the last strip just in time or they're just lazy and they can't do it. And that pushes my buttons. I'm like, it's not hard to take it off, chuck it in the bin. The other toilet rolls are all nicely stacked because I do that for my job. I stack up the toilet rolls and you put it on the thing. But okay. But that pushes my buttons. And so... Um, I want a quick example for you. Who's ready for an example? Can I have a quick hand of someone? Can I borrow a hand from someone? Pete, can I borrow you? Sweet. So hold this. So this is a smartphone, right? And now use your other hand. And we need this one. So this is a calculator, right? So so you hold them both like this. Just stand like that. So smartphone calculator. You can probably hold it. Yeah. So sweet. So he's got two options here. And so right now, if you're taking notes, say smartphone versus calculator. Who's keen for this? And so, um, so they're similar in size, right? You'd say that. They're very similar in size. What about their width? Are they similar in width? Like, 
Yeah, similar width height. Yeah, they're very similar in size. They take up the same amount of space. All right, so we've got that. So they're similar. Now, they're both te technology, right? They're both technology. Um, but they are very different. Who would say that? They're very different. They, they both have buttons. Yep, they both have a screen, but they're very different. Um, and so a major difference is this. So one's got a small screen, a lot of buttons, and one's got a big screen, like one button. We'd see that. We all say that, yep. And so if I was to offer anyone of you this smartphone or this calculator, which one would you choose? The smartphone. <laughs> the smartphone's what you choose. And why? And I'll say, <laughs> well, it, um, if I... Um, the, it has greater potential, like, and it's unlimited. The phone is unlimited in its potential when the calculator is limited. So everything we can do on the calculator, we can do on the phone, plus more. We'd say that right? But the calculator is only limited. And so um, I would like to say this. Let's put ourselves as people into a position of a, a smartphone or a calculator. And what, the way we go about this is that we go, everyone, um, I'll read it from here so I don't stuff it up. Um, we are all designed to be like smartphones. Um, um, we become calculators when we start gaining buttons, right? That's a, this is a big thing. So we, we can either be a smartphone in life or a calculator, but we, we all are designed to be calculated. Our, our, the things in our life are limitless. We have so many potentials. We can download so many apps in our lives, have so many different abilities and functions, but we become a calculator when we start getting too many buttons. That's powerful. And so um, another difference, you, do you mind standing for a while? Cool. And so another difference is, is when pressure comes. And so, for example, um, if you grab one, say, um, I'll think about how I'll go about this. And so if I was to put the smartphone, like we put the screen on, right, so it's on. If you just stick that in your pocket, just stick it in your pocket. So, so there's pressure in his pocket and the front pocket, put it in the front pocket. Just, on, oh, just no, don't, isn't in the pocket there? That's cheat ads. Well, pull it out, pull it out. How bad is that? Cheating pockets. Um, and so, oh, nothing's happened. There's, not, there's no effect because the pressure from being in the pocket, there's no effect, right? If we turn on his cal the calculator, so we'll put it there on. Now put it in your pocket and see what happens. We'll pull it out. Give it a bit of pressure. Yeah, now pull it out and see what happens. Is there any... Yeah, there was, there was definitely, um, there's definitely things on the screen. And so what we've seen was, you can hold the smartphone again, when the phone had had pressure there's no there's no effect on it because there's no buttons but the calculator when it went into a pressure environment it had effect because those buttons were pressed and so for us we, if we're a smartphone um we 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 can be in pressure environments but it doesn't affect us it, when the pressure and life the heat comes there's no effect but if we got a calculator if we got offenses everywhere we go you know offenses everywhere offenses yep um and the pressures in life come, the buttons get pressed and bad things happen. There's results that we don't want to see, right? Would agree with that? And so just sit down and you'll come back with that exam a bit later. Thanks, Pete. How good is Pete? <laughs> so, yeah, cool. And so um, uh, another difference is, oh, yeah, no, I've told that. I just did that. Very good, Josh. Um, but, so faithful versus perfectionist again, all right? We'll go back to that from my last message at the conference. So we heard the quote, a mistake doesn't equal failure. Failure is when we give up. Failure is when we quit. Failure is when we stop trying. Failure is when we stop having a go. So a mistake and a failure are different words, right? And I said a lot of people often confuse those words and say a mistake is failure, but it's not. And so often um, people can uh, will say things to you like, Leanna, you're not good enough, or Carmel, um, you suck, or, or you're just a failure. But we've got to go, you know what? 
um, uh, those people have confused a mistake with failure, as we heard about at conference. And if you are unoffendable, when people try to use, uh, try to hurt you, you will remember that. Like, yes, I, I made a mistake, yes, but I'm not a failure because a, a, a mistake doesn't equal failure. Failure is when I stop having a try, stop having a go. And so I want to encourage each one of you here, it do, doesn't matter what mistakes you make, it's not a failure. Failure is when you stop having a go. So when people say bad and dumb things about you, don't get worried and caught up about what that word is because that's an offence and that puts a button on your life. Offence, yeah. Good job, Amy. Amy got it there. Um, and so no one... I'll say this, no one likes a calculator friend, right? No one likes a calculator friend. Take the note of that if you're taking notes. And so what do I mean by that? And so no one likes that friend who's always sad and offended about everything. Good job, offended. And so I, I, I really dislike those people that are always like, oh, woes to me, life sucks, this is so horrible. Because no one likes hanging out with people like that. But if you become a calculator and got all these buttons and put like everywhere for people to push, like, no one likes hanging out with you, is the truth. And so, newsflash, grow up, um, if that's you. Now, Saul, and so Saul took a song that was encouraging David. And so the song was for David and encouragement. So it said, um, David has killed his, no, so, sorry, Saul has killed his thousands and David is tens of thousands. And so I'm going to add a few more words into it to make it a bit more sense to us. And so it's saying, Saul, so these women are like, woo, women singing. Um, it's like they're saying, um, David, Saul has killed his thousands. Woo, whoa. Like that's, it's an encouragement to Saul. So it's saying, Saul, you're, great job. You've killed your thousands. You're a mighty man. You're a hero in our eyes. But David is even better. He's killed his tens of thousands. And so he's going go, to be like Saul, but even better. And so it wasn't, it wasn't having anything bad about Saul at all. They were encouraging him. But they were just saying, we encourage David that tad bit more. And so, um, and it's funny because it's not like, I could understand if Saul could get a bad heart if they said, um, Saul, David has killed his tens of thousands and Saul only his thousands. You could understand without, it's a bit more degrading if they're saying, um, if they were yeah, chanting, uh, David has killed his tens of thousands, but Saul only his thousands. That's a bad chant. But the other one of the song was saying, David is cool, but, I uh, know Saul is cool, but David is even cooler. But obviously with that thing, when we, and so I'll add a sign on to that. When we're encouraging people, let's not encourage someone by taking out someone else. So let's not go like, oh, Carmel, um, you did a good job today, not like such and such. Or um, Liana, you're really cool, not like such and such. Because don't encourage people like that. But, um, but cause like I could say, a way that you could do it, like in the Bible, which I still wouldn't recommend, I could say, oh, Sean, that was good. But when Carl's preacher was even better, like still, it's not, it's not the best way, but it wasn't as negative as going, um, Pete, you're cool, not like such and such. And so let's never um, encourage people by taking someone down, right? That's good advice. Don't do that. But, um, but again, so but we see when someone else gets, and so I'll say this, when someone else is getting encouraged, when we encourage someone else, let's join in. Because when we don't, it only affects ourselves. And so we see um, all these women were encouraging David, and Saul said, he turned it self-centered and goes, you know what, I'm not encouraging David. I'm going to take offense at this. I'm going to be offended. <laughs> good job. And so when... Um, uh, and so, uh, I'll go to this. And so, if we were to rename one youth today, so if we thought we're gonna, one youth's name's old now, it's boring, and um, we're going to change it, I would change it to unoffendable. Unoffendable. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. I would, but I wouldn't. And this is why I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because it's a weird name, because it is. But um, 
I've got another, I've got another reason for that. And so, um, who know, like we are all one use, one heart church. We agree with that. And so, um, one heart church is a Pentecostal church. And so, if you're thinking, what the heck's Pentecostal about? Um, for those that have been at church before, would have heard Pastor Robbie has this quote that he likes to say. He goes, um, "The most Pentecostal thing we can do is be in unity." And from that position, the Holy Spirit does crazy cool things. And so I would almost want to flip that and say um, then to, um, uh, we could say the most Pentecostal thing we can do is be unoffendable. And so James 3, 15 to 16 says this, and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by unity and unoffendable being the same word, like in meaning. <laughs> Good job. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and spiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So people get offended by jealousy. And so as Saul was, um, uh, as Saul was, and then we saw, I don't, I must not have read it. Did I read the part with Saul where it says, and a, a demonic spirit started tormenting him? I did read it? No, I must have missed it. I was supposed to read it. But um, in, that, in that one Samuel, there's a part where, uh, uh, then so Saul gets this jealousy and bitter and he goes, this is unfair, blah, blah, blah. And then it says at the end, then a tormenting spirit started to torment him because he had this negative attitude. And so, I, and so we see here, um, uh, jealousy and selfishness are actually demonic. And so when we start having that kind of lifestyle, we'll find things in our lives that aren't supposed to be there like Saul. I could, I'd just stuff the message up pretty much because of that, but that's all right. And so um, when we are offended, what happens... Yeah, offended. And split, we are in disorder and out of alignment. And so when a motor's engine and has all the cogs and stuff are in alignment, it works. But when, it, when they're not all together, it's called disorder, right? And so if we're in disorder, that's demonic and bad. And that can stem from jealousy and selfishness, etc. all those other things. But we've got to go, you know what, God? We're going to be unoffendable. And, so f- and from that place, we are in unity. And so that's why when, so every time, um, I'm going to do this right. So when we declare one, uh, I stuffed that. I was, I was going to say the answer. Right. When we say, what team? <laughs> one youth. The answer is one youth. What team? Every time we declare one youth, is the, the answer is supposed to be, we were declaring unoffendable. And so one youth is unoffendable. Because when we're unoffendable, when we're making allowances for people's mistakes, we're keeping together. We're not splitting and separating. And so that's, um, that's cool. And so what's, now here's a, this, is a, this is a very deep and profound, uh, profound question. What's, um, and this it is, what's the easiest way to have your buttons, uh, my, my, my mind and my reading ability is just not here today. What's the easiest way to have your button, to not have your buttons pushed? That's the way. What's the easiest way to not have your buttons pushed? Leanna had it. To not have buttons at all. That's a good, that, that's, it goes against the, um, the, the grain. But if we've got a calculator, what's the easiest way to not to push the buttons on the calculator? Take the buttons off. That's the easiest way. And so um, I'm going to read. So we got that if you're taking notes. If you, um, the easiest way to not have your buttons pushed is to not have buttons at all. That's profound. Take notes of that. And so Matthew 18, 21 to 22 says this. Matthew 18, 21 to 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, being Jesus, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Multiplication there. And so 
going back to the faithful versus perfectionist. And so we know a mistake doesn't equal failure, right? We know that. But we're going to flip it. Rather than talking about ourselves, we're going to talk about other people. And so, um, a, and so a failure isn't when... Um, so when someone else makes a mistake, if we don't have uh, make allowances for that mistake, what happens is we're saying that's a failure. And so... Um, and so, I don't know, I'm going to make, myself make, that, make the sounds better. So a mistake doesn't equal failure. A failure is when we give up on them. Failure is when we stop forgiving them. Um, failure is when we get offended and, and grow a good job and grow a button. And so every time we get, I'm going to make the link, every time we get offended, that's a button in our lives to be pushed. And so we've got to make the decision, go, you know what, faithful versus perfectionist here, okay. I'm a perfectionist when I go, this person's wrong... Uh, like this, whatever the insult this person's given me, I take that further than it needs to be, and go, um, and go. Well, um, that that mistake that they've made is now a failure because I'm not able to forgive them. And so we've got to go. You know what? I'm not going to live in a place where I go. This person's mistake is that bad that I can't forgive it. Because when we do, we're going. That's failure. But we've got to have not that ability because we're saying, all right, we've been offended, and we've grown a button, and it's not cool. And so, uh, don't remove, and so, um, when we don't remove, but, uh, sorry, I'm all over the shop. Um, but, so, when we see this story, Jesus, like, Peter says to Jesus, because he thinks it's pretty wise, well, how many times should I forgive someone? Seven times. And when we think about it, if someone did something to you seven times, you think they've, had, they've done it a few times enough. But, he go, and, but Jesus goes, flips it on the hand, and goes, you know what, we're going to do it 70 times seven, so pretty much unlimitable. And so, flipping that back to our, our diagram so I'll get Peter back up and he'll show us our things and so if we're to be like this calculator we'll go well how many buttons Jesus should we remove how many things of our lives of offense fences should we remove and he goes and Jesus he goes seven should we remove seven buttons and Jesus is like theoretically saying no have no buttons and so because for example the more buttons we have in our lives the more things that offend us offend us um it is the more things that cause us to be in disunity, the things that uh, cause us to split and not be of one heart and one youth. And so, um, like the dumb ways to die, um, and what, like what was the picture? He was like a, a blob of a singing guy, that bloke. Um, um, he says, what will this red button do? And we notice, boom, explosion, destruction, bad things happen. And so, when every time we have an offence... It only has harm. It only does destruction in our lives. It only causes bad problems. And so we've got to go, you know what? Um, and so, um, noth- so nothing is... Uh, and so we can go right now, looking at this calculator, there's nothing pressing those buttons right now. There is nothing. It's, it, it's fine the way it is. But when it comes under pressure, those buttons start going to exploding, start doing bad stuff, starts doing damage, like that button on the screen. And so for us, we might go, you know what? I have this button. This, this thing that annoys me, this person annoys me, this, this whatever it was. But if I have that button, put me in the right pressure, that thing's going to go off and it's going to have bad, bad results. So, for example, here, um, if I have an offence against someone, I could get into a situation with the right pressure and, and I cause a, an issue, I cause bad things to happen. But I go, you know what, I've got to remove this button because I don't want it. Because then, as again, that guy that's singing that ball that's going like, I wonder what this red button will do. Realistically, um, that's the voice of the devil because he's going, there's a button on Mariah. I wonder what this button will do if I press it. He might go to Chloe, there's a button on her. I wonder what it will do if I press it. And as we see a boom, explosion. And so we're going, you know what? Let's not have the button that the devil can press and cause an explosion and cause bad things to happen in our lives. And so... Um, uh, and so back to that start we saw about the, um, the ox in the stable. 
Um, if we're to release the animals to be fruitful and multiply, we need to have ox, we need to have a big youth ministry of a lot of people, but with that, there's going to be problems. With that, there's going to be mess, and with that, there's going to be buttons. But we're going to go, you know what, God, help us be big enough people that despite the mess, despite the offences, despite the offences, we're going to be big enough people that go, you know what, this, this button is not worth it, I'm going to be a bigger person and remove it, because the fight and the pressure that can come is not, and the destruction from that is not going to be worth not having it at all, right? And so, um, in closing, I'm going to look at two verses from Psalms. So, Psalms 119, uh, 165 says this. Those who, uh, in the New Living Translation, says this. Those who love your instructions, so God's instructions, have great peace and do not stumble. So, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Then in the New King James Version, uh, no, not New, not King, just the Old King James Version, in Psalms 119 and 165 again, says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, so God's law, and nothing shall offend them. And so, the great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And so in my version, which is blending them together, says this, those who love the Bible have great peace and nothing shall offend them, right? And so I believe, as we see there, when we start reading the Bible, when we start getting to God's word and he starts speaking to us, we start losing offenses. We start losing buttons in our lives that cause us to cause havoc and bad things in life. And so we've got to go, God, speak to me afresh. Help me remove this button. So we go, you know what? We might be living life thinking we're so awesome or whatever, but we've got to go, God, help me be a person that looks beyond this. Help me be a person that looks beyond the mistake. Just like Peter says, how many times should I forgive someone's sin? Jesus goes 70 times. And we've got to go, you know what? Um, how many things do I have to look past as the bigger person to not let it affect me in my heart? Because only the... The, uh, that problem doesn't, like me not forgiving doesn't affect them, it affects me, it destroys me, it blows me up. And when the pressure's on me, I'm the one that causes a problem. And so we're going to be, you know what, God, help us get into your word, help us hear from you a clear to go, you know what, what are the things that we've got to strip off our lives to remove these buttons so we're not, boom, explosioning. And so um, if you don't have a Vision 180, Grab one, come see me at the end of this service. I'll give you a Vision 180. Start with that, say, and everyone go, God, help me read this. What are the buttons I've got to remove today from this so that when the pressure in my life comes, I'm not going to explode. When the, what will this red button do when Josh hits me today, I'm not going to be in a dangerous position. And so um, I'm just going to, uh, thanks for that, Peter, good job. And so I'm going to, with that, that thing, who do you choose to be today? Do you choose to be the calculator of buttons that people press and exploit and offend and all this? Or do you choose, you know what, we're going to be the smartphone. It's got, so we've got so much more potential. We can have so much more ability. We can have limitless stuff and we don't have anything that can affect us. So look, pressure comes. We're fine still. We've got the ability. We got, and so all of, our, all of you here, you have, you have worth in your life. You have the ability to do amazing things. Just like the, app, the, the smartphone has the ability to download apps and do crazy cool things, God's got crazy cool apps for you in your life, spiritual gifts and abilities that uh, only you can have if you don't have buttons. And so the more buttons you have, the more likeliness you have to be limited in your potential. And so I'm just going to pray right now. So if we can all just close our eyes and we'll just um, 
uh, thank Jesus for what he's done. God, we just pray for that message tonight, God. We just pray that you uh, help us remove the buttons in our lives. Help us be people that when offenses come, when we get offended, we are unoffendable. And God, we just pray that that word will be a trademark of one youth. That when we look back in five years' time, we'll go, you know what? Um, we have got to where we are now because of unoffendable people. We've got to the place where we are now because we've, we've got the ability to go, you know what? Um, our life is too valuable to be stuck down by being offended by people. Our life is too, is too um, important to worry about um, uh, unforgiving people. So God, help us be people that know how to forgive. Help us be people to go, you know what? This doesn't matter in life and this really does matter. And so God, we just thank you that you, you're going to help us leave this place as our smartphones. You're going to help us leave this place with the ability to not be affected by pressures. And so Jesus, help us if we are the grumpy King Saul that takes offense at everything. Help us go, God, um, uh, we, we, we dropped that character because we saw the devastation it caused in his life and we just want to be like David and, uh, and uh, not have those worries in his life. And so God, we just thank you that uh, you, you're going to help us be the best people we can. Amen. And so uh, I am done. And actually, quick, I'll quick do one more prayer. And so God, we just pray for the buttons that are in our life that are, are, are so ingrained in us, the things that we go, you know what, we don't think we can ever forgive them. We don't think we can ever let that go. God, help do surgery in our souls, in our minds, in our thinking that those buttons are removed forever so that when that person comes up to us, when that situation comes up to us, rather than us being limited and having a bad response, help us have love, help us look beyond that person's mistakes. And Jesus, we just thank you that you can do the impossible in our lives and help us, rather than being limited the way we might be now, you're going to unlock a future for us of awesomeness. Amen.